Hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors here at Hershey Free, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us for our service this morning. We are continuing in our series called Love This Book. Love This Book is a church-wide study of the Old Testament. Our kids and kids are doing it. Our students in core are doing it. Our connect groups here in the services we were talking about it as well. And it's a church-wide study designed to help us take a look at the Old Testament and God's desire to be with us collectively as an entire church. It's really a great study to do. And we started it back in 2020, last year in January. And we got about halfway through, and then we picked up beginning this year in January, and we're going to finish out the Old Testament together as we come to Easter, and we'll celebrate the resurrection of our Savior together. Just as a reminder, we do have some great resources for you. First, we have this amazing devotional guide that some amazing staff members put together, and it's just really, really helpful in thinking through the passage, the, the implications in our lives, some application that we can put into play. And these are available for you both here at the church, but we also have a fully online digital version that you can download to your tablet, your smartphone, or to your laptop to have it at home as well. Also on hfcinfo.com, we have some other helpful resources. We have video links to places like the Bible Project to help us to, to think in new ways about the passage that we're reading, as well as some study questions for you as an individual, as a small group, or as a family to talk around the lunch table after church about what we talked about. So I just want to encourage you, like, take advantage of those resources, use them however you need or however you desire, and allow for them just to help you dig deeper into God's Word. Today we're going to be in one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible in the Old Testament. We're going to be in the book of Ruth. And Ruth is, is a shorter book that I think most of us actually know like the broad story to, but I really want to take some time to dig deep into this story a little bit today as we look at who Ruth is, what we learn from her, and then like what some of the application is for us. You know, like the, the book of Ruth is really kind of a book for all the everyday people, for, for me, for whomever else considers themselves to be an everyday person. Um, it's one of those where we look at Ruth, and Ruth is nobody really special. Like, if this book wasn't written, we probably wouldn't know who Ruth was. But what we see is, like, it's a beautiful book because here's what we see as an overall theme through this book. It shows the extraordinary impact of everyday faithfulness. As we, as we read through the book of Ruth today, we're going to see Ruth just continue to be faithful, to continue just to live out her faith every day, every moment. And, and for some of us who, who, who seek to do that, sometimes we can ask that question, of like, what impact does this have? Are things changing? Am am I I impacting people's lives? Do people see Jesus in me? And we're going to see today in the story of Ruth how everyday faithfulness truly does have an extraordinary impact in the world around us. Before we kind of get into investigating a little bit about who Ruth is, I want us to set the tone for what we're getting into. I want to look at the first few verses from the the book of Ruth in Ruth chapter 1. And I want to investigate a little bit as to what is actually happening that sets the tone for this story. So let's check this out together. Ruth 1, beginning in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, they went to live for a while in the, in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Milan and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem in Judah. And they went to Moab, and they lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, he died, and she was left with her two sons, and they married Moabite women. One was named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there for about 10 years, both Milan and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. This is how the book starts, and it's really interesting because this book starts, and we're told right away that it's during the time of the judges. 
And this is interesting because if we go back to what we talked about just the other week in, in the book of Judges, and we have these mighty men and women raised up to lead the nation of Israel. These people, they, they, they live out God's mission. They, they point their people how to live for Jesus and how to, how to follow after God. And then we come into a story about Ruth, a Moabite. And what is really interesting here is we, as we investigate this is we know that Ruth is an outsider, but not even just an outsider. In some sense, she was actually an enemy of the nation of Israel. Like Elimelech and Naomi and their sons, when they go to Moab, they are not showing faithfulness. They are not showing that they trust God. They're trying to take matters into their own hands, and they actually go into the, like the, the country of an enemy. And while they're there, we, we learn that Elimelech, that he dies, and then his sons marry two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, and then they die, and then Naomi is left alone. And that's where we step in more intimately into Ruth's story. And what I want to do this morning is I want to unpack just from these four chapters who Ruth is, just to pull out some key ideas, some key um, characteristics of who Ruth is as an individual. These are not all-encompassing. We cannot go into the depth of what this, this book holds here today. But I want to encourage you, like, take some time this week to really dig deep into the book of Ruth, to investigate it, to see the themes that come out, to see how God works in and through Ruth and all the other people in this story. So let's take a look at who Ruth is first. First, we realize this. Ruth is loyal and faithful, which is really interesting because Ruth demonstrates characteristics that Naomi and her family should have demonstrated but didn't. You see, Ruth is loyal and faithful to Naomi and to her family and to the God that she believes in. But Naomi and Elimelech and their sons were not faithful. They decided to take matters into their own hands and decide to do what they thought was best for them rather than trusting God. But look at how Ruth responds in the midst of this difficult situation with Naomi. So at this, they wept aloud again. This is talking about Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah. Naomi just told them, hey, go back to your families. Go away. Like, you don't need to be with me. I'm going home. And so they wept aloud again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Now stop for a moment and remember, Ruth was a Moabite woman. She had every right to go back to her people. Her mother-in-law had given her that permission. But there was something that Ruth had learned about Naomi's God. There's something that, that captivated her about who Naomi's God was, and she said, you know what? This is something I need to figure out. This is something I need to stick with, something I need, to, I need to pursue. And so she tells Naomi, she goes, I am not leaving you, Naomi. I'm sticking with you. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make your people my people, and your God will be my God. And, and this Moabite, an outsider to the nation of Israel, displays more loyalty and faithfulness than a member of the nation of Israel did. So the first qualities that we see in Ruth is that she is loyal and faithful. The second set of qualities we learn about in Ruth chapter 2 is this. Ruth is humble and trusting. Ruth heads back with, with Naomi back to Israel where she was from. And she gets back there and like on the way, it's, it's really interesting. Naomi is so angry at God, so frustrated with God, so, so distraught by all that happened. She actually changes her name to mean bitter, which is really interesting. 
And I would never suggest that you call your mother-in-law that. I really hope Ruth did not ever call her mother-in-law bitter. That's probably not a good life choice, just saying. Um, but Ruth and Naomi take this trek back to Naomi's hometown. And I can imagine that was a really fun journey, right? You have your mother-in-law who changed her name to Bitter, and you're going from Moab all the way back to, to Judah. And now you're having to be like, how do I have a conversation with her? She's always upset, right? And so they go back. And Ruth, at this point, she has a choice. She could be like Naomi. She could be bitter and frustrated, or she could be humble and trusting. And check out what happens in a couple of these verses in Ruth chapter 2. Beginning in verse 2, we read, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. So Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out into, and entered into a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who is from the clan of Elimelech. So here's what's happening. Just to set the tone, Israel had a custom to care for the widows in their community. And the custom was this. If you were a widow, you could go out into the fields behind the harvesters and gather any leftover grain so you could go home and have food. And so Naomi and Ruth are back in Naomi's hometown, and Ruth comes to Naomi. Notice that Ruth takes the initiative here. She comes to Naomi. She says, hey, let let me go out and, and let me get some grain for us so we can have something to eat. She's trusting in, in this, 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 this dynamic that Israel had set up where, where they would care for their widows. And she's like, Naomi, let me go and do this. And Naomi goes, okay, go ahead, go, whatever, just go do it. I'm just bitter, go do it, you know, whatever. And so Ruth goes out. And here's the part where we start to see the intentionality of God in this story. It's really cool. Like down here, it turns out she's in a field belonging to Boaz, who's from the clan of Elimelech, Naomi's husband. This is huge. And this is not by happenstance. This is God working out something that is far beyond our comprehension in the midst of the story. And he divinely had her go to Boaz's field. And so Ruth is out there and she's gleaning the leftover wheat and she's taking it. And all of a sudden, Boaz, the owner of the field, he sees Ruth. And he's kind of like, hey, there's a new girl. So he calls over some of his, his workers. He's like, hey, who, who's the new girl? And they're like, oh, that's, that's Ruth. You know, Naomi, you know, bitter, right? That's her, that's her daughter-in-law. So Boaz is intrigued. And he's like, I'm going to go figure out who this new girl is. And this is what we read. So Boaz says to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Do not go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow, among, or follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? And Boaz replied to her, I've been told all about what you, are, what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and your mother, you left your homeland, and you came to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. Boaz comes up to Ruth and he's like, hey, I know who you are and I want you to know, like I want you to keep coming back to this field. I'm going to take care of you. And Ruth is like, wait, what? He goes, I know your story. I know how how you left everything, Ruth. 
I know how you came with your mother-in-law to take care of her. I know how you're collecting grain to take care of her right now. And in fact, I've told, I told my guys, like, don't mess with her. She's under my protection. In fact, like, if you're here and you get hungry or thirsty, go and take from what the guys brought. They've got plenty. Go and get something from them. And I want you to know, keep coming back. I'll make sure you're, you're taken care of. And Ruth's response is that she bows down. She bows down and she's like, why would you do this? Why would you do this for somebody like me? I'm a foreigner. I'm an outcast. I'm an outsider. And Boaz goes, because I've seen your faithfulness. And what we learn about Ruth in this moment is Ruth doesn't come in. She doesn't look at Boaz and go, yeah, you're right. You should give me something. You're related to my, my mother-in-law. You should give me everything. Take care of me. She doesn't come in. She doesn't lay like these demands down. She doesn't come in and go, yeah, my life's horrible. My husband died. My father-in-law died. It's just a horrible life. She doesn't get bitter. She comes with, with a heart of humility. And she's trusting that God's at work. She's trusting that Boaz is going to honor his word. Ruth was loyal and faithful and humble and trusting. And then in chapter 3, we see that Ruth was also prepared and purposeful. Here's what I mean by this. Ruth could have just sat by the sidelines right now. Boaz is saying, hey, come and get the grain. She could have just said, cool, I'm just going to do my thing and not even worry about it. She could have just chilled out. But instead, Ruth took action. She was prepared and purposeful. Check out what we read beginning in chapter 3, verse 7 about Ruth. So when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, and he was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. So Ruth approached quietly, and she uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet, and he said, Who are you? I'm your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask, and the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of your family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it, so lie here until morning. So within the culture of Israel, if a woman became a widow, there was a, a dynamic set up where within the family, the men of the family had a, a certain order of who would bring that woman into their family to provide and care for her and to be her next husband. It was a way of honoring this woman saying, I'm not going to let you be alone. I'm not going to let you have to try to figure things out. I'm not going to make you have to pick grain by yourself behind people. I'm going to care for you and provide for you because we were told to care for those, to care for our family and to love them. And Ruth could have sat by and waited for Boaz or another, another guardian redeemer to figure this out. But Ruth knew that God had a plan. And rather than sit on the sidelines and twiddle her thumbs and go, I'm just going to wait for God to do something in my, my life. By faith, Ruth went out knowing that God was working out his plan. And she went out to Boaz and had a conversation with him. And she said, look, I know that you could be my, my, my guardian redeemer, my kinsman redeemer. And Boaz goes, that's true. But there is another who's closer. And he's like, the, the, the right thing is that you are redeemed, that somebody brings you in, and so you're not alone. You don't have to, you have to worry about everything, that somebody's like caring for you and, and, and watching over you as a redeemer should. He goes, I'll go tomorrow and talk to him. And, and if he does, like, praise God. And if he doesn't, I will do it for you. Ruth was not content 
to simply sit by. She was not content to just, to just go, hey God, like show up whenever. She was intentional in her faith. And what we see is she was prepared and purposeful. Ruth knew that God was working. And she knew that she was a part of God's plan. She knew that in some way, she didn't understand what that looked like worked out. But she said, I know I need to be an active participant in God's plan. You see, God doesn't call us to a faith of passivity, folks. God calls us to a faith that is active. In fact, like when you go into the New Testament, he didn't tell the disciples when he called them. He didn't say, hey, leave behind everything, come and follow me and chill. That's not what he said. He said, no, leave everything behind. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There's an active part of our faith and Ruth understood that. She understood that her faith was not a faith of passivity. It was a faith that was, that was emboldened by the reality that God is at work and that we are a part of his plan. And so she took action in faith, knowing that in faith, God's plan was being worked out accordingly. She was prepared and purposeful. And lastly, this is what we realize about Ruth as well. She was redeemed and blessed. I love the ending of Ruth because it's a beautiful picture I think of what salvation looks like. Check this out. Picking up in Ruth chapter 4, verse 6 and following. At this, the guardian redeemer said, and this is not Boaz, this is the other guy. The guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. So you redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. The reason he said this is Boaz had went to him and said, hey, Naomi's estate is here from her husband. You're first in line. You should redeem it. And the guy goes, sweet, yeah, I'll take some land. He goes, actually, it's more than that. She has a daughter-in-law who's without a husband. You have to take her in as well as your wife. And the dude was like, nah, I'm out. I'm not doing it. I'm not taking a wife. That's not for me. And so Boaz, I think Boaz understood that. And I think Boaz was wise in how he presented this. Because he knew. He knew that young man would not do it, but he knew that he would. And so he goes, I'm not going to do this. It might endanger my own estate. So you redeem it, Boaz. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party would take off their sandal and give it to the other. This was a method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. So Boaz announced to the elders and all of the people, today you are my witnesses that I have bought from Naomi the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Mahlan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Mahlan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are my witnesses. Ruth, Ruth's story is amazing because in, in this passage, we see that, that Boaz looks at Ruth and he knows that, that he's not like the youngest guy. He's not like the spring chicken, but he knows that this is the right thing to do. And he's falling in love with her. And he says, you know what? I'm going to redeem her. I'm going to take her and I'm going to make her restored. And he redeems her from being a widow. And he says, no, you are mine. I am bringing you into this. And it's a beautiful picture of salvation. Ruth, Ruth didn't do anything. She just acted in faith. Boaz redeemed her. And that is exactly what salvation looks like that we act in faith and we trust that God is faithful and that he's going to redeem us and he faithfully does. He buys us back. He pays the price for our sin and he brings us into into community again with him. It's a beautiful representation of who God is. God is our guardian redeemer. 
He's redeemed us from the depths of hell, and Boaz redeemed Ruth from a life as a widow and brought her back into standing rightly in the nation of Israel. It's a beautiful picture. So Ruth was redeemed, but she was also blessed. And here, here's what we need to understand. Ruth's story, we talked about how it's a story of, of everyday faithfulness, right? And at times we can wonder, like, does our everyday faithfulness, does it have an effect on people? Because it sure doesn't seem like it. Here's the cool thing. Ruth eventually has a child, a son. And Naomi comes and holds the son. She changes her name back from bitter to Naomi once again. Ruth lived out a life that was loyal and faithful, humble and trusting, prepared and purposeful. And by doing that, she was redeemed and she was blessed and she blessed others. Her life reflected the truth of God to Naomi. And it helped to bless and restore Naomi back to who she was. Our lives, we have no idea the impact of our lives on people. We have no idea what they will do as we live out faithfully. But it's even more than that. Ruth's story doesn't stop here that she became Boaz's wife. It's so much deeper than that. Look here at the end of the chapter. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nishan, Nishan the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Yeah, that David, King David, the man after God's own heart, the man through whom Christ came. The line of David. Ruth is a part of Christ's genealogy. Like how amazing. You want to talk about being a blessing, about being blessed. This is a woman who was an outsider, a Moabite, a foreigner, an enemy of Israel, who came in and married an Israelite, who died, who journeyed back with her her mother-in-law, who called herself bitter, who went and harvested wheat as a widow, who met a guy who could be her guardian redeemer, who paid the price to redeem her then and restored her. And not only was she blessed, she became a blessing not just to David's family, but to ours because through her comes the Savior of the world. Ruth has actually blessed each and every one of us today because without her, who knows how this would have occurred. It's a beautiful story of redemption and blessing in the life of Ruth. So what do we do with this now? Do we simply look at it and go, that's a great story about a young girl, Nick. Like, that's fantastic. Or is there something applicable to all of our lives? And I, I think the reality is there are some takeaways that we can pull from this text. They're not, the, these four takeaways are not all-encompassing. They're not the only ones, but I think these are key ones that we need to think about and consider in our lives. First is this. We have to remember that God is always faithful, and we need to have faith. And, and I know that's kind of like a duh statement that many of us, we realize that and we understand that. But let me ask you something. When life gets hard, does your faith remain steady? Do you always remember that God's faithful during the difficult times? 2020 was a difficult year for many of us, wasn't it? Did you ever wonder if God was still faithful? Did you ever have doubts and questions? I'm sure Ruth did too. 
But we saw that Ruth continued to live faithfully. She continued to to pursue God and to, to honor him, and we must do likewise. God is always faithful, and we need to have faith. We must also remember that like Ruth, we have a redeemer. But the reality is our redeemer redeems for eternity. And the cool thing is that our Redeemer comes through Ruth and her Redeemer. You see, folks, we don't have a a guardian Redeemer in the sense of a physical person like Boaz. We have a guardian Redeemer in the eternal figure of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a Redeemer who paid the ultimate price for us, a price we couldn't give. We were outsiders, aliens, foreigners, And our Savior came and he paid the price, the ultimate price for us. And I think what we need to do is we need to really allow for that to resonate within our hearts because that should shape how we live every moment of our day. Ruth's faith shaped how she engaged in her life, what she did, how she did it. And the same should be true for for us. If we believe that we have a guardian redeemer in our Savior, Jesus Christ. That should impact our lives at every single level. What we say, what we think, how we speak, what we watch, our reactions, it should shape everything about who we are. And I think as we consider that truth, it is important to ask, how am I treating God then? Because I think sometimes when it comes to considering our Redeemer, I think we do treat God as if we are sitting on the sideline and just waiting for him to act. I think in some ways it's easy for us to just sit down and go, okay, God, do your thing. Go. Make it happen. Bring what I need into my life. God, answer this prayer. God, do this. But again, I hearken you back to how Christ called the disciples. He didn't call them to passivity when he said, follow me. He called them to action. And this isn't saying that we don't trust God to work. It's saying, no, I believe, I have faith that my God is faithful. And so I am going to act in faith because I know by faith, God is doing what he needs to do. And perhaps God is using me and my faithfulness to impact others. I can't sit by passively. I must be active in my faith. And so we need to ask, are we sitting on the sidelines waiting for God to act? Or are we going to him? Are we working out our faith, acknowledging, knowing that he is acting? God is not a God who just kind of does whatever he thinks is right at a different moment. God has a plan and he's working it out in each of our lives and in this world as a whole. And we are active participants in that. So are you allowing your faith to be lived out actively in your life? And then lastly, we need to remember this. We may not know God's plan. And I would assert that 99% of the time, we have no idea what God's plan is. We know what the end plan is. But we may not know it in this moment. But we do know that his plan is always being worked out. There are moments in each of our lives when we can look back and we can acknowledge that God worked in amazing ways. And those are moments that we need to remember, especially during life storms. We may not always know what God is doing, 
but we know that God is always doing something. God's plan is always at work, folks. We just need to ask ourselves, are we willing to be a part of it? Today, we got to see the extraordinary impact of everyday faithfulness. You have no idea the lives that you will touch just by living faithfully, just by living to honor Jesus. You see, folks, here's, here's how I would explain it. We serve a perfect God who loves to use imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. Let me say it one more time just to make sure that we hear this because I think this is true from Ruth's story. We serve a perfect God who uses imperfect people like Ruth, a Moabite, like me, Nick, a broken individual to accomplish his perfect plan. He used Ruth to accomplish his plan to bring about the birth of David, to bring about the birth of our Savior. He uses broken people like you and me to impact the lives of people all around us in our spheres of influence. So who can we live faithfully around? Who do we need to live faithfully around to show them Jesus so that they know the transformative power of our Redeemer? May our everyday faithfulness be reflected in all that we do, say, and think because we serve a perfect God who uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. Amen? Let's pray together. Most Holy Father, our Redeemer, we thank you that in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our willingness to turn from you, you still sent us a Redeemer in your Son. Father, we acknowledge that we don't deserve it. We acknowledge that we are not always faithful. We thank you for sending your son and we ask you, Father, to do a transformative work in our lives so that we can live faithfully and use our faith, Father, as we pursue you to impact the lives of others for the kingdom of heaven. May they see Jesus in all that we do, say, and think. We pray this in your name. Amen.